Do you ever have uh, one of those moments in life when you realise that you're just not normal? Or is it just... Uh, don't laugh at me. No, 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 no. Or when you are normal. No, no. You have one of those moments. You know, do you know what I mean? One of those moments where you just realise that what you do and the way you think is not the way that everyone else does and not the way that everyone else thinks. Do you ever have those moments? Uh, <laughs> regularly. So um, my... Uh, daughter Ebony, who's now 16, um, Ebony told me only, only a year or two ago that she had one of those moments when she was about 12. She had this moment when she was about 12 and she realised that most men don't shave their legs. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is true. Uh, I ride my bike, I ride my bike a lot and I shave my legs. You can judge me if you like, but that's the way it is in our house. And so Ebony grew up watching mum shave her legs and watching dad shave his legs and she thought that's the way all adults worked. <laughs> and she, honestly, she was telling me, it was about 12 when she just started, I don't know, something clicked and she started noticing that there was a lot of guys around still with big hairy legs. <clears throat> and it occurred to her that maybe the house that she grew up in was not like all the other houses. And it occurred to her as she started to mull through this that, in fact, most guys don't shave their legs, that the way she grew up was not the way it is. I bet you, I mean, you all know what I'm talking about, don't you? You're not in terms of shave legs, but you all know what it's like to accept something as normal in your life that other people think is just plain weird. So you've got one minute to turn to the person next to you and share what is the one thing in your life that you do that is really weird, that is normal to you. <laughs> Only one. You might be able to share one with the person behind you if they need the next one. All right, go. You've got one minute. <laughs> Time's up. Uh, let's, let's hear the weirdest. Who heard something... Who heard something really weird? Someone who doesn't watch footy. Someone who doesn't watch, you don't watch footy? No, no, no. Else oh, someone else does. Okay. <laughs> someone doesn't watch footy. Okay. Anything else? <laughs> Nothing else weird, yes? Shayla likes to hang out with cows. <laughs> That's normal in your world, but and other farmyard animals. Yeah, yeah, it's totally normal for you. It's a little bit weird for other people. I understand that. Is there one more? Blowing your nose in the shower. Blowing your nose in the shower. I'm really tempted to take a vote as to who blows their nose in the shower, but. I don't want to do that for fear that we could end up with judgment because there's about half the church sitting here just going <laughs> at me right now. Okay. But here's the thing. We all do weird things, don't we? Some of us have weird things that we do in our homes. Some of us, when you think about it, there are weird things that happen in your workplace. You know, there are things that happen in your workplace that anyone else who walked in there would go, really? But that's just the way things are done there. And you know, there are some weird things that we do in church. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. 
You know, there are things that if you've been around church for a while, maybe particularly if you grew up in the church, there are things that happen in churches that, that you might just accept as completely normal. But for lots of people are really weird. And if you're not been around church or if you're kind of new to the church, you're sitting there going, amen, like I can tell you there's a lot of weird stuff in church. But no, seriously, you ever think about things like communion and baptism? Like why do we meet together once a week on a Sunday morning anyway? Um, you know, even, even things like prayer and giving, like things that sort of are kind of normal in the church. People outside of a church, you don't do that, do you? You know, there are things that happen inside a church that are just really weird if you're not inside a church. A little bit like my daughter growing up watching someone shave, watching a guy shave her legs, thinking that's just the way it's done. But if you've not grown up with that, it can seem really weird. And I wonder if you've ever stopped to ask yourself, why? Why do we do some of these things that we do in church? Why do Christians do these things? Why are they important? Where do some of these things come from? So we're going to begin a new series that we're calling Weird Things Christians Do. Right? I'm serious. I'm serious. And we're just going to spend some time. We're going to spend some time talking in some depth about some of these weird things that Christians do because it, it, there's lots of us, some of us who've been in church for a lot of years who couldn't really tell us exactly why we do communion, who couldn't really tell us exactly why we do baptism. And so in this series, we're going to get as practical as we can and we're going to pick apart some of these things and ask some of these questions, the questions that maybe for some of us we've never thought to ask. The point of this series is to help us understand some of these things better. What are the weird things? What are these some of these weird things all about? Where do they come from? And why do we do them? And so we're going to start today talking about one of the weirdest things of all, which is baptism. Baptism. Now, my guess is no matter how long you've been in a church, probably everyone's been to a baptism somewhere. You know, you got invited to, to someone's baptism or seen a baptism. Have you ever thought about how weird baptism is? You know, you take a happy, healthy human, and you dunk them underwater, usually when they're fully clothed. I mean, if you were walking down the street and you saw two people grab someone else and hold them underwater, you'd call the police, right? <coughs> but in church, we call it baptism, and we take photos, and we smile, and we, and we clap politely, you know? So let's, let's take a look at baptism. In most places, baptism begins with someone making some promises. So the baptizer, the person doing the baptizing, will say to the baptizee, the person who's going to be baptized, they'll ask them some questions, ask them to make some promises. And they'll usually say something like, do you acknowledge that you're a sinner? And the baptizee will say, yes, I do. They might say something like, do you repent of your sin? Repent just means to sort of to turn around, to say I'm sorry and, and to kind of, I'm going to go a different way. I'm going to stop doing that and, and turn around and go a different way. Do you repent of your sin? And the baptizee will say, I do. They'll usually say something like, do you accept the forgiveness that Jesus won for you on the cross? The baptizee will say, I do. The baptizer will often ask uh, the congregation, the crowd, the people who are in the church, they'll often ask them a question. They'll ask something like, um, do you, the church, do you promise to help support whoever the person is, to help support them as they grow their faith and, uh, you know, something like that? And the people in the crowd will go, we do. 
they don't know the person and they've got no idea really, but they just say we do because everyone says around them says we do. And then the drowning part happens. And uh, they, they, sometimes it's sprinkling with water, but they grab the person, they dunk them underwater, and they'll usually say something like, I baptise you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes they'll make the sign of the cross on them or, or something like that. There's usually some sort of statement of uh, forgiveness or some declaration that the person's been baptised. And there's often some kind of words that would welcome the person into the church family, whatever that means. It often finishes with some kind of prayer where uh, uh, the baptizer or sometimes another person would pray over the person. Does that kind of sound familiar? Does that sound like baptism the way you've seen it? It's pretty sort of standard. Um, some churches will baptize uh, little babies, sometimes adults. As I said, sometimes it's sort of sprinkling water on the person. Sometimes it's fully dunking them under the water. Sometimes people get baptized inside churches. Sometimes people go to, to pools or to the beach or something like that to be baptized. But it's a pretty similar sort of, you know, kind of run through, isn't it? Why do we do that? Why do we do that? Well, I'll tell you the easy answer for why we do that is because Jesus told us to. Uh, Matthew 28, um, Jesus says uh, the very last words in the Gospel of Matthew, and we've used this, talked about this before in church. Matthew says, uh, remembers Jesus saying, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Did you catch that? Go and make disciples of all all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's where we get those words, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus said. So that's what we tend to say in a baptism. But what's so special about baptism? You ever stop to think, Jesus speaks only a couple of sentences, his final couple of sentences to people, and he chooses to say, go baptise people. I mean, you think about it, Jesus could have told people a whole bunch of things in those final couple of sentences, couldn't he? He could have said, go do this or go do that or, or make sure you don't do this or make sure you don't do that. But he says, go and uh, share the gospel, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Why was baptism so important that Jesus would mention it in those final two sentences, his final speech to his followers? And the simple answer is because baptism is a sign. Baptism is a sign or a symbol. It's an outward sign or an outward symbol of an inside decision. Baptism is is a public sign to symbolize a change of heart or a change of mind that has already happened inside someone. Baptism is a way of saying to the whole church, to the whole sort of church community, I've given my life to Jesus. My life was headed in this direction, but I'm going to turn around and head my life now in this direction, the direction that God wants me to go. The old me is gone. The old way of thinking and doing and living is gone. And a whole new me has come. 
I'm turning over a new leaf, if you like. I'm starting a new life. Almost like the old me has died and a new me has been born. It's not baptism that's important to Jesus. It's the change that happens inside someone that was so important to Jesus. And baptism is an outward sign of that inward change. Does that difference make sense? Paul says it like this in a letter that he wrote to the Roman church. Romans 3, uh, beginning to read at verse 3. All of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have new life. He doesn't stop there. He goes on to explain more about this transition from from death to new life, uh, reading from verse 5. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who's died has been set freed from sin. Now, if we die with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Baptism is an outward symbol of a change that is happening inside someone, a change that's happening from death to life. And it's a change that happens when a person says yes to Jesus. When a person says yes to Jesus, he becomes united. He or she becomes united with Jesus. United, it's like you sort of, like you enter death with Jesus. And then as, as Jesus overcomes death into eternal life through his resurrection, you united with you, you make that same transition from death to life. Does that make sense? Baptism is a public symbol of that super important decision that a person makes. Going under the water, the water we use in baptism, is literally a symbol of the old you drowning. That's why we use water. It's a symbol of the old you going under the water and drowning. We don't literally drown people. Uh, Of the old you going under the water and drowning. And the person that comes out from the water is dead to the old new and is like a raising to life of a brand new person. Now, there's nothing magical about the water. The water is a symbol of something that has already happened, a transition from death to life that has already happened inside someone. In fact, and I don't want to get anyone kind of offside here, but in fact, Baptism really, when you think about it, has very little to do with water. 
which is kind of funny because people have all sorts of really, uh, you know, people get into arguments about water and baptism. If you've been around the church, you know what I'm, uh, you know what I'm talking about. There are some people, you know, that, that you can't sprinkle, you have to dunk. And, and you know, there are some people that you, you have to dunk like this. And You know what I mean? Anyone heard those sort of arguments? <clears throat> when you think about it, baptism is really not very much about the water at all. What matters is the life change that has already happened inside someone. The whole water thing is just a symbol of that life change. Baptism is a public symbol. It's like, it's like a public celebration of a decision that as someone has already made to die to their old way of life and to accept the resurrection life that Jesus made possible through his own death, through his actual real death on the cross and his resurrection. That's why baptism was important to Jesus. That's why baptism was so important to the early church. But what are we, I mean, that, you know, that was a long time ago, 2,000 years ago, and I guess people did more weird things. And what are we supposed to do with this sort of ancient, weird, dunking ritual today? I think there are three responses that baptism calls us to. But before we talk about those three responses, I, I want to I just make really clear one thing that baptism is not. Baptism is not a membership ritual for the church. Right? Amen? Yeah. Baptism is not something you do just to join the church. You should never get baptised because other people are getting baptised. You should never get baptised because I'm in the youth group and all the kids in the youth group get baptised sometimes, so it must be my turn. You should never get baptised because your friends did or because you're the only one who hasn't. Baptism is not something that you do to kind of, you know, join the church. It's not something to say, look, I, I really like the church. I, I like coming here. I've got good friends. So I'll get baptised as a way to say, you know, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in with the church. That is not what baptism is about. Amen. Baptism is a sign that you've let your old self die and that you've embraced new life in Jesus. So I think there are three responses that baptism calls us to. And the first is simply this, that we should be baptised. We should be baptised. When you've made that decision to die to yourself and to live for God, you should be baptised. Now, I want to be clear, you don't have to be baptised. Like if you don't get baptised, you've still got new life in Jesus, right? It's not like, you know, you miss out if you haven't, if you haven't done the baptism thing. But baptism is a way to publicly declare that decision you've made. Amen. It's saying that faith shouldn't be a secret. Faith shouldn't be a secret. And baptism is a public way to say, I'm in. Baptism is a, is a, is a public way to let everyone know about the decision that you've already made in your heart and in your mind. So I guess I want to say straight up, if you've made that decision and you haven't been baptised, be baptised. Talk to me afterwards and let's do it. It is awesome. Second thing I think that baptism calls us to today is that we should be a people who are encouraging others to be baptised. If you're talking to someone and they're talking about how much they love God and about how God's changed their lives and how they've, how they've given themselves to God, you should ask them if they've been baptised. And, and if they haven't, you should encourage them to consider that. 
You should ask them if they're ready, if they're, if they're really serious and ready to make that decision public. And if they say yes, you should encourage them to be baptised. The third thing I think that baptism calls us to in the church today is that baptism ought to be something that we celebrate and that we celebrate big time. Baptism is a public declaration of the most important decision that a person will ever make with their life. Christians for 2,000 years have believed that the decision you make about God to say yes or no to the will of God in your life is more important than any other decision that a person makes with their life. For our young people, it's more important than the decision you make about what you're going to do after school. It's more important than the decision you make about the job that you will take. It's more important than the decision you make about who you will marry or where you will live or any of those sorts of big life decisions. I mean, just think about how we get around people in those big life decisions. Think about how we celebrate those big life decisions, how we, you know, how we get alongside people and cheer for them in those big life decisions. However you would celebrate those things, baptism ought to be celebrated more. Luke remembers Jesus explaining it this way in Luke 15. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep. This is a, a picture Jesus is, uh, is painting. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and you lose one of them. Don't you leave the 99 out in the open country and go after the lost sheep until you find it. And when you find it, you joyfully put it on your shoulders and you go home. Then you, you call your friends and your neighbours and you say, rejoice with me, which is Bible language for we should have a party. Right? We should have a party because I found my lost sheep. You know, the sheep that I told you that was lost. And we, you know, I've found it. I've got all hundred sheep together again. Jesus says, Luke 15 verse 7, I tell you that in the same way, in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need to. The decision for someone to repent, for someone to come back to God, is the most exciting decision that happens in life. And when you see someone get baptised, you should party with that person. Baptism is a, is a sign. It's, baptism is someone saying, I've made the decision. I'm giving my life over to Jesus. I'm going to stop living my way. I'm going to start following Jesus. The old me has died. The old me is dead and buried and a brand new me has been reborn. And for a follower of Jesus, there's nothing more exciting than that. We don't count numbers much in this church. Um, we don't count attendance each week. We don't have a, a, a graph with who's coming. We don't keep a roll. Um, we don't record what uh, money people give in this church. We know that people give and that's awesome, but you know we don't, we don't track that and have graphs or anything. We don't, we don't keep any numbers like that. But I want to tell you, if we were going to keep score of anything in this place, we'd keep score of the number of baptisms. Watching people turn their lives around and follow Jesus is the most exciting thing that happens in the life of a church. It has to be. 
It's got to be more exciting than anything <coughs> that happens in our worship. It's got to be more exciting than anything that happens anywhere else. This, Jesus says, is our purpose in life. To draw lost people to him and to celebrate it when they come home. And baptism is a symbol of that. If you're going to keep score of anything, count baptisms. If you're going to pray for anything in the church, pray for baptisms. Pray that people would find new life in this place and that we would celebrate that with baptism. Now, I want to acknowledge, I don't know, I, I grew up in a church and the church I grew up in, baptism was a really formal, serious thing. Anyone else grew up in a church like that? A couple of people? People dressed up and they rehearsed where they were going to stand. In some cases, they even rehearsed the words that they would have to say. People got really serious about baptism. In fact, in the church that I was in, um, if it were a baby, the uh, minister didn't do this with adults, but if it were a baby, after the baptism, he would walk around the whole church, uh, do a lap of the church uh, with the baby so that we could all... I don't know, just look at the baby. Because in the church I grew up in, if it was a baby, they'd all have a big white flowing. Anyone know that? You know, people had special baptism clothes, right? I don't want to diss that kind of church. and I don't want to diss the sort of church I grew up in. But I don't think that's what Jesus had in mind when he said, go baptise people. I don't think that's what baptism was to the early church and I don't think that's what baptism ought to be for us. Baptism is supposed to be a highlight in the church family. Just like in, in your family, if you've got a, a, a son or daughter who goes to uni, there's that kind of highlight day when they graduate or when, they, when, when a child graduates from primary school or high school. And it's a day on your calendar, you know, and it's got a gold star on the calendar. Everyone gets around that. Or like a day maybe when, a, when someone in your family gets married or has a special birthday. You know, they're big days when you, when you get around that person, when the family gets together and says, we're going to celebrate this day. That's what baptism ought to be. It ought to be a pile of fun. It ought to be cheering and singing and dancing. It ought to be something that you kind of skip out of here after a baptism and go, man, that was awesome. doesn't matter if you don't know the person, you know. Baptism symbolises someone's decision to move from death to life. To move from doing things their own way and sitting in their own sin and mess and sadness and anger and to accept the freedom and the new life that Jesus makes available to them through his death and resurrection on the cross. And when someone makes that decision, when someone moves from death to life to eternal life, it is the most exciting thing that happens in the life of that person. And it must be the most exciting things that happens in the life of a church. And that's why Christians do this weird thing called baptism. Let me pray.